Tim, we thank you for your presence here today. You are such a good God. And you're an awesome God. And you do indeed do miracles that are great. And we just celebrate you. And, and we want to hear the things you would speak to our hearts. So give us ears to hear. We pray that your message would change and transform us. In Yeshua's name, amen. So last week, my husband began this three-week series on Hanukkah, and he spoke on the Festival of Dedication, that theme. So today, I'm speaking on the Festival of Lights. Most of us are familiar with the traditional story about the oil that was needed to light the menorah, and it was part of some of the songs we even sung today, that uh, when they came in, when Judah Maccabee and the, the people, Jewish people came in to uh, rededicate the temple that had been desecrated by Antiochus, they found oil uh, that was only enough for one day. And the problem is that the process of making the special oil for the uh, menorah in the temple was a week-long process. But the miracle is that that oil lasted for eight days, and that's why we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days, and that's why we light the Hanukkah, or Hanukkah, depending on how you, you, you pronounce it, or the Hanukkah menorah. And we know that this menorah is different from uh, the menorah that was in the temple or any of the other menorahs because it has nine candles. And the first eight candles are to represent each night of Hanukkah. And the ninth candle is called the Shamash candle. And in Ashkenazi tradition, it is used to light the other candles. So the rabbis say this that we should spend much time in close proximity to the candle lights. And one rabbi said, I was reading an article, we must listen carefully to what the candles are saying. So my question is, what are the flickering flames speaking to us? I believe there are a few messages that they would like to speak to us, and that as you light your Hanukkah for the first time tonight and every night this week, that you would listen to hear what they're saying to you and to your family. And so I just have three things. I could say a lot more, but I'm just going to focus on three things. And the first is that that Shamash candle speaks of the Messiah. Now, I gave my family a sneak preview of my message last night at Shabbat dinner because I told them, I said, there was, I found some interesting archaeological evidence about the Shamash candle that I want to share with you. It's a very unique candle, and it speaks to us because it's used to serve the other lights. It always holds a special position on the menorah. Uh, the eight are usually all put together, and the shamash is set aside. Sometimes it's elevated, but it's always set apart from the other eight uh, candles. But what is interesting is that we see no reference to this candle in the early rabbinic literature. In fact, it doesn't appear in rabbinic literature until around the 16th century when there was a summary written of the Jewish law, the Shulchan Aruch. And in there they mention uh, the Shamash candle. And in fact, when the Shamash candle does finally appear in rabbinic literature, it just mentions it as though it exists without giving any explanation. However, when you look at some archaeological evidence, it's very interesting because it points to the Shamash candle being in existence at a much earlier date than what the rabbis mentioned it. And there was a Hanukkah that sold, I think it was last year, at an auction that had nine candles. And this was the description that was listed on the auction. 
Judea Second Temple Roman Era around 70 to 200 CE, ceramic nine-spouted nine Hanukkah lamp with nine wick spouts and a line along the front and a single central filling hole. The decorative motif and general form show similarities to the Beit Natif type commonly dated to the 3rd century or later. However, it appears to be an early traditional form, extending the dating to the period between the Jewish War, 66 to 70 CE. Now, it's, it's peculiar that this artifact was even allowed to leave Israel uh, because it's been around for a while. In fact, a uh, renowned archaeologist uh, examined it back in 1988, and he called it an object of extraordinary significance. It is undoubtedly the earliest Hanukkah lamp extant, and it is also possibly the oldest Jewish ceremonial object to have been discovered to date. So how it got out of Israel and ended up in the auction is, you know, mind-boggling in view of that statement by this archaeologist. So here's a picture of it, all right? So it's pretty cool. Now, I have a, uh, an oil lamp from Israel. We have, uh, it's not a Hanukkah. We have a, uh, what's it called, a replica. But we also have a real one from uh, ancient times around what... What century was it? Do we know? We have the, huh? From around the second century. So when we were in Israel, uh, we were given that by our guide. So this is a picture of it. But this isn't the only thing. There is another archaeological evidence uh, uh, that was mentioned in the 1906 edition of the Jewish Encyclopedia. And it has a picture in the encyclopedia uh, of another nine wick menorah and it dates it to the same period as this one so that's the second archaeological evidence of a menorah with nine candles around the first century and then the third piece of archaeological evidence is a portrayal of this other nine of another nine candled uh, Hanukkah menorah or uh, a menorah and it was found up in the Galilee a little north of Nazareth, where Yeshua would have, have been. And it was unearthed in the ancient Golan town of Soganya. And it's an engraving on what is thought to be the archway of a synagogue. And I forgot to grab these pictures to put in. I apologize. But so here's this engraving from the first century of a nine-candle menorah. Now, why is this significant? Because the rabbis ignore this until around the 16th century. So it made me getting to th begin to think, you know, why did they ignore this? And could it possibly be that this developed from the first century Messianic Jewish believers? And so I found this article written by a Messianic Jewish believer in the land of Israel, and she came to surmise the same thing. And I just want to read uh, to you what she said about this. Since contemporary rabbinic sources like the Mishnah showed no awareness of a tradition that made the Shamash one of the holy Hanukkah lights, we can assume that the innovation was hatched outside of their authority. And the theory is strengthened by specific elements on this lamp, the lamp that I, I showed you there. Uh, first of all is the inscription. It says, with God's help in Greek. So try to imagine, she says, a Greek-speaking Judean community so devoted to God that they celebrated Hanukkah in the shadow of the recently destroyed temple, but they did so apart from the Mishnaic rabbis. So here they, you know, in God we trust, 
and they're celebrating Hanukkah with this nine uh, wick menorah, but the rabbis are not observing it that way. Only one group comes to stand, she says, that would be the Hellenistic Nazarenes who are gathered in great numbers around the Talmudim in the first century Jerusalem, as we see in Acts. Moreover, the decorations, which had vines and scrolls and grape branches and grape leaves, are the same shared, uh, are the same, and the oil that's shared by all the lights are the same images that Yeshua gives us in the New Covenant in the book of Yochanan, especially chapter 15, when he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And so that whole motif of design that is there. So to me, I found that to be very interesting that we have this archaeological evidence from the first century of the Shamash candle being in existence, but rabbinic Judaism doesn't mention the candle until 16th century. And if you go to ask rabbis, what is the Shamash candle, uh, most of them have no answer. It just exists and just is. But for us as Messianic believers, I believe when we light that Shamash candle, that it wants to speak to us of the Messiah, Yeshua. And in fact, listen to his own words, Yeshua, because we know Shamash, as I said earlier, means servant. In fact, our Shamashim, uh, we've had in the past here in the congregation, and many uh, synagogues have Shamashim, they are the people who serve, right, the congregation. And then this Shamash candle on the Hanukkah serves the other candles by lighting them. And so Yeshua said this of himself. First, in Yochanan chapter 8, verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light which gives light. And then in Mark chapter 10, verse 35, he says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So you may be here this morning and listening or listening to this message on the podcast, and you're not sure about this Messiah Messiah or this Messianic faith of ours in the one we call Yeshua. Well, I want you to know that he is indeed the promised Messiah of Israel who freely gave his life on the tree of sacrifice as a ransom for you and me to free us from the penalty of our sin, and that he is the light that shines in the darkness uh, and in the perverseness around us, and that the shamash candle and the shamash light speaks to you to accept him as your personal Messiah, to put your trust in who he is and what he did in atoning for your sins. So when you light that shamash candle tonight, or you have your electric Hanukkah that you put in your window, whatever your case may be, that shamash candle is set aside. And ask yourself, what is this shamash candle all about? The rabbis have no explanation. They just say it exists. I want to tell you, it's been around since the first century, and I believe it speaks to us of Yeshua, the Messiah of Israel, who came as the greatest servant of all, who gave down, gave his life, as he said there, as a ransom for the sins of Jewish and non-Jewish people alike. Amen? In fact, Yeshua said, you know, I freely give my life. No one takes it. I lay it down freely. And we know that Rav Shaul talks to us uh, in Philippians chapter 2 and tells us that we need to have 
the same mind as Yeshua the Messiah, who even though he was God, did not think it lowly of him, you know, did not reject the concept that he would come, and Abigail mentioned this, and take on the flesh, you know, human flesh. And he came and tabernacled and dwelt here among us again for one purpose, and that was to bring salvation. And that's what his name means. So the Shamash candle speaks to us of the Savior, the Messiah, who has come, and his name is Yeshua. So what else are the candles speaking to us? The second thing that I believe the candles are telling us is to stand up for what is right. In one of the candle song, uh, Hanukkah songs, there's a line that says, The candles are burning low, one for each night. They shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. And even in the one of the Hanukkah songs that we sang today, it talked about there was a people who fought for what they believed was right. They fought for their right to exist as Jewish people. So these candles remind us of Judah Maccabee and his family and all of those Jewish people who stood up for what was right in a climate where it was not popular to do so. And if you woke up and heard the news as I did this morning, uh, it was not good news in terms of what the United States did in abstaining from the vote with the United Nations. And now this resolution has passed which virtually makes it illegal for a Jewish person to pray at the Western Wall. Okay, understand? So now we are in a climate similar to that of Judah Maccabee uh, and his followers where there is pressure against the Jewish people. And uh, unfortunately, our current uh, government president and his representative, the ambassador there to the U.N., did Israel no favors? And we are going to have to see how this plays out. But you and I, as followers of Yeshua, we need to be willing to take a stand for what is right, even though it's unpopular in the world around us. And taking a stand for the nation of Israel is not a very popular thing to do. And with this resolution, as my family was discussing it this morning, you know, Israel is once again going to be made to be the aggressor. Even the very fact that the Jew would want to go worship at the most sacred place in, in, in Jerusalem to worship is going to be seen as an act of disobedience and aggression. And so we have much to do to stand up for what is right in regards to our nation of Israel and to our Jewish people. But also just our faith in Messiah. We've shared many times in messages and prayer meetings that being a believer in the Messiah is not popular. Uh, even more true faith in the God of the Bible is actually ridiculed and mocked and marginalized by the mainstream media and others in our country and even in the world. And in this atmosphere, we must not be afraid to speak the truth and share the hope that we have through Messiah Yeshua. You know, that's what Judah Maccabee and, and the followers did. They stood up for their faith and their right to exist as Jewish people and their right to worship the one true God of Israel. On Thursday night, Abigail led our prayer meeting, and she encouraged us to get over the obstacles that keep us from sharing our faith. Yeshua tells us this in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. He said, to everyone, if anyone wants to come after me, let him say no to himself, 
Take up his execution stake daily and keep following me. For whoever tries to save his own life will destroy it. But whoever destroys his life on my account will save it. What will it benefit a person if he gains the whole world but destroys or forfeits his own life? For someone is ashamed of me and of what I say. The son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the father and of the holy angels. This is not a time for us to shrink back in fear and intimidation that we cannot proclaim boldly that we are followers of Yeshua the Messiah, first and foremost, and that we are believers that the land of Israel rightfully belongs, including eastern Jerusalem, to the Jewish people. But saying those things is not going to be popular. And many of you have maybe already felt opposition you know, uh, to that. Again, the political climate in our country uh, would make us to feel that way. The news media, mainstream news media, anytime someone is of a conservative background, we are so mocked and ridiculed and, and, and called all sorts of names. It is amazing, right? You know, uh, when you hear these things, we're everything from bigoted to uh, closed minds to racist and all sorts of things, and you sit there saying, but they don't even know us, right? And yet they are making these proclamations and assumptions, and the, what they want to do is to shut us up and, again, to, uh, to marginalize us out of society. But we have to listen to what those candles are telling us, and we need to be ready to stand up for what is right and to not compromise on our faith, again, first and foremost, in Yeshua and the God of Israel. One article I was reading said this about the Hanukkah story. It wasn't the physical threat of annihilation that the Jewish people had experienced in the past. Think of Purim with Haman, etc. But it was the first time that the Jews faced a religious war. The Greeks weren't aiming to wipe out the Jewish people. They wanted to wipe out Judaism and its belief in an infinite God who creates, sustains, and is involved in the universe. This was a battle for holding on to our spiritual uniqueness and identity. Friends, that's the same battle that we face today. This is what the world would like to happen today to us as believers. They want to wipe out our faith in Hashem, but we cannot compromise. This is, there is a cost to serving God, and we must be willing to lay down our lives, to take up that execution stake, as Yeshua said, and be willing to lay down our lives and our own agendas for Adonai. When you look at the burning candles this year, may they remind you of the brave men and women who would not compromise with the world when it came to their faith. And may we be men and women of that same resolve, that we're not going to compromise on the fact that we are followers of Yeshua the Messiah. And no matter what others are saying or doing, no matter how difficult things may become, no matter what pressure you may face at work, no matter what pressure we may face politically in this country, wherever it goes in the next four years, we need to be resolved that we are going to stand up for what is right when it comes to the area of our faith. And we can't retreat into our little you know, four walls and say it doesn't matter. It does. See, Judah and his family could have just gone back into their own little family 
and continued to practice their Judaism and, and not cared about what was going on around them. They didn't do that. Why? Because they knew that Judaism was at stake. Worship of the one true God was at stake. And you and I as believers and the believers in this country and around the world need to take note that we need to rise up as men and women of God taking a stand for righteousness and holiness in the midst of a perverse and dark generation, no matter what the outcome is in terms of our lives, even to the point of death, which most Americans will never have to face. But we have many brothers and sisters around the world who are freely giving their life down because they will not compromise on their faith in Yeshua the Messiah. So I want to encourage you, these candles burning tonight and all through the week remind us, do not compromise on your faith in the one true God and in the Messiah Yeshua. Speak up when you have opportunity to do so. Let your, your, your voice be heard. Don't compromise on the truth of who he is. And this leads me to my last point, which is in conjunction with this. Let the candles tell us, the candles tell us to let our lights shine brightly. We know, as I read earlier, that Yeshua is the light of the world, but he has called us to be lights as well. Look with me at Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. You are a light for the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Likewise, when people light a lamp, they don't cover it with a bowl, but they put it on a lampstand so that it shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they may see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. What is the purpose of light? Anyone? It, it dispels the darkness. It illuminates things. So when you come into a dark room and you can't see what is going on in that room, what's the first thing you do? I reach for the light switch. And, you know, and if I'm going out walking outside at night, like sometimes it's very dark when we go out the front here, thank God for these smartphones. They have that little flashlight feature. I turn that thing on because I don't want to trip and fall down the stairs, right? So that light comes on and what does it do? It dispels the darkness and it gives a path that I can walk on. And so we need to understand that there is darkness all around us and we are called to shine brightly in that darkness. And Yeshua tells us the way to let our light shine is by doing good deeds. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before people so that they may say the good things you do. So how do I let my light shine? One, it is what we just talked about, not compromising and, and not being ashamed of our faith and speaking up boldly. But it is also to let it shine by doing good deeds. Wednesday night in our study on the spiritual disciplines, uh, the youth and, and the adults here with Rabbi Michael are doing the same study so we spoke about the discipline of service. Let me just put a plug in here for Wednesday night. This is all free, not part of my message. You should be here on Wednesday night. Not condemnation, just telling you. It's part of your being discipled and growing and maturing. 
It's a more intimate. It's an interactive uh, uh, type of study. Uh, Gary is doing the uh, Parsha downstairs, trekking through the Torah. So that's an interactive study. Rabbi Michael is here. I'm upstairs with the youth. And so we have three different studies that you can be a part of. And I want to tell you, you should be here because it will help you to be discipled as you come and interact you know, with the Word of God, ask questions, and, and share your thoughts with one another. So that's free of charge. Be here Wednesday nights. This Wednesday night, of course, is the Kava Root Groups, which, again, is intimate type study with women together, men together, studying the Word and encouraging one another to grow more in the likeness of Messiah. So with all that said, be here on Wednesday. But we talked about service, the discipline of service. And this is what Yeshua is talking about when he tells us to let our light shine. So what good deeds have you done in this past week? We discussed with the youth how easy it is to be consumed with our daily routines that we miss many opportunities to shine for Yeshua. And, you know, this book that we're using talks about there's a difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. And this really struck my heart as I was preparing this study and, uh, and then teaching it with the youth. So when I choose to serve, it means I am still in charge. And it means that I have a right to choose who and when I will serve. But when I choose to be a servant, it means I give up my right to choose who and when. I'm a servant of El Elyon, God Most High. So whenever he calls me to serve and to whomever he asks me to serve, I have to be willing to do that. See the difference? That was such a, a, you know, an important nuance to, that just was illuminated to me you know, this Wednesday night because often I choose to serve, and I have that idea, okay, I'm going to serve, but sometimes I don't think I'm a servant because sometimes I don't want to be inconvenienced. Right? And so we need to choose to be a servant like Yeshua said, he was a servant, and he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for, for many. And um, so many of us are hiding our lights under a bushel, and Yeshua is calling us to let them shine brightly in the world around us and to follow his example. And so I just want to close by listing uh, several types of service that we talked about on Wednesday night and to encourage you to cultivate a heart of being a servant and not choosing to serve. And as you light the candles and you see those candles flickering tonight, may they remind you that you are supposed to shine in the darkness and that every day you should seek for an opportunity. And how do you seek for that opportunity? You have ears to hear what Adonai is saying. Because I want to tell you, every day and every week, God is brings someone into all of our lives who we can shine his light brightly by just a a small deed that we do, an act of kindness, as well as sharing our faith. So that was the first one, the service of small things. And the author of this book talked about how we often don't get involved in serving and giving in small things because we are so focused on the amount of time that we will lose from our own schedule. For example, if someone calls up and says, could you run me on some errands? I just need to go pick this up. Often we don't want to do that. Because my running you on errands means my time is eaten up, 
And everyone knows, even when you do your own errands, it always takes much longer than you had anticipated. But the act of serving in small things is something that we want to cultivate. The second one that he talked about was the servant service of guarding the reputation of others. This is what I told the kids. This is, if you've been around for a long time, I've used this phrase often. I said, don't have garbage pan ears. Okay? In other words, don't listen to things about other people in the congregation. Don't listen about things, negative things, about the person across the aisle or the person standing in the front. Okay? Don't listen to negative things about your coworkers. Those are garbage pan ears where you just listen to and take in all this negative things. The Bible calls it gossip. Okay? And gossip is a sin. And so if I'm going to guard your reputation, and if you're going to guard my reputation, then I'm not going to listen to these negative things about you. I'm going to guard who you are, and I'm going to give you the benefit of, of a doubt in terms of your character as, as followers of Yeshua, because, you know, take a look around this room. Again, we're a little lower in attendance today because some families are gone, but I want you to look around. Everyone turn your head besides Chris. She's the only one who's turned. Turn your head, everyone. Look at these people here, okay? So I want to tell you as much as is within us, and I know most of you, a few of you are newer to the congregation. We have some visitors today. But those who are a regular part of this congregation, I can say in my heart, that I know that each of you are doing your best to live for Messiah and that you want to be like him. So that means that when someone wants to come and tell me something negative about you, I'm not going to listen to that, okay? I want to guard your reputation. And that's an act of service that we can do to one another is to guard each other's reputation. Because let me tell you, it doesn't take long to find something that you could pick apart about anyone in this room, okay? I could, I could begin to tell you things about me that you could start, you know, a whole list, right? And one by one, we could bring people up, and if we said, oh, what bothers you about this person? Trust me. Man, they, we could start listing over and over again. But God calls us to do the opposite. Love covers, okay? And my love for you and your love for me should cover and give each other, again, the benefit of the doubt and protect and guard each other's reputation. That's why when someone comes in, and this is all extra, but someone comes in, this is a policy of my husband's eye. We have people who come to visit us from other congregations occasionally over the years. And people have come in and they'll come up and they'll start saying to me, you know, I went to such and such congregation and the leader there, and they'll start to talk to me. And I said, stop. I don't want to hear anything about that leader, you know, because as far as I know, and most of the local leaders we do know, that man or woman of God is doing their best to serve him. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, tarnish the reputation of another leader because someone has issues. And I have often, and there have been times where I've said to someone who tells me they have issues, and I said, you know, you need to go and and talk to that leader and you need to work those issues out. Because that's what the scriptures tell us to do. So again, the service of guarding and protecting the reputation of others. The third thing it said was 
the service of being served. Oh, this was a good one. And this was the story of Kepha. When, Yoke, uh, when Yeshua came, and it was at the last Passover dinner, and uh, all the Talmudim came in and sit down, and none of them were going to do anything because, you know, they always fought about who was going to be the greatest, right? And, uh, you know, they wanted to... Uh, we read the story on Wednesday night of how John's mother, John and Jacob, Yaakov's mother, came and asked... Yeshua, can my son sit on your right and left hand in thrones? And oh, goodness, the rest of the Talmudim were so upset. Who do they think they are? Well, you know, I want to be sitting by him. But what happened? What did Yeshua do at that last Passover dinner? He got up, he took a towel, and he took a water basin, and he washed their feet. And when he comes to Kepha, Kepha reacts immediately. Oh, you're not going to do my feet. And Yeshua says, I have to. And sometimes we need to allow others to serve us. And, and, and that's, you know, to be able to receive from others. And that's an act of, of service that's letting our light shine. Then there was the service of common courtesy. You know, in every culture there are things that are a part of, uh, of the culture, you know, saying thank you and holding the door open our kids were talking about on Wednesday night and common courtesies. That's, that's a way to let your light shine. Think about it as you're rushing in and out. There are times, you know, when I'm in the store and things and, and uh, I'm not that tall, but, uh, you know, I see a lot of people shorter than me and uh, they're trying to reach for stuff. And I also don't mind climbing on the shelf, so... So I've, I've, I'll climb up and I'll get something for someone else. That little act of common courtesy is letting my light shine for Messiah. To reach up and grab something for someone who can't get it in the grocery store. To hold the door open for a, a woman who has, you know, two kids tugging on her, her, her coattails and pushing the other one in, in a stroller. And you open the door for, for them. That's letting your light shine. That's small common courtesy that we need to do, but often you don't see that. The service of hospitality. Kepha Aleph, 1 Peter 4, 9. Yeshua says, welcome one another into your homes without grumbling. The service of hospitality in your homes and even here at the synagogue. These are ways that we can let our light shine for others. But not if we grumble and complain. And I talked about the, this with the kids. I said in every area that we've been discussing, all these disciplines, it all comes down to one issue, and that's our heart. Because I can welcome you into my home, and I can serve you, and I'm a pretty good cook. And, uh, uh, but, you know, I can have a bad attitude and grumble and complain and mum- murmur under my breath the whole time. <clears throat> and what I tell the kids is that it, like makes null and void my active service when I have that way. So it comes down to our heart issue. We have to have a heart. Again, it goes to my, I'm not choosing to serve, but I'm choosing to be a servant. And when I choose to be a servant, then I can show hospitality in the home and even here in the congregation. We're all part of this congregation, and we should show hospitality to one another, welcoming people into the congregation. Then he talked about the service of listening. The Bible says, be slow to speak, and quick to listen. Most people are quick to speak and slow to listen. And 
One way that we can let our light shine is simply to be ears that listen. A lot of people have a lot of things on their, on their plate. And this, this week we did some calling around for the National Jewish Fellowship. You know, we divide up with this different Jewish workers. I told my husband I was so blessed as I was calling around these different, uh, I called mainly the women who are on the list, women, uh, Jewish workers in the assemblies. And uh, my heart was so touched as I called and was just asking, introducing ourselves and asking if we could pray for some, any need they had. And, and I was just touched because I could tell they were touched, that someone thought to give them a call and say, you know, uh, is there anything you, you need us to pray for? And it was just someone being there to listen to a need that they had. And so we need to be listeners. As we are listeners, we're letting our light shine for Messiah. And the last one is the service of bearing the burdens of one another. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens, and this way you will be fulfilling the Torah's true meaning, which the Messiah upholds. Friends, if you want your light to shine for Messiah, then you need to bear the burdens of others. There are people around you, again, who are weighed down with life. You know, and, and you may say, but I have my own burdens, Rabbi Carol. Tell me about it. Again, it happens. Life just happens to all of us. And we all do have our burdens. But when we are a servant and we are letting our light shine, we are shining for others. And we will carry and bear the burdens of others. And, you know, I don't know about you, but it always happens when, when I get out of myself, and, and my own issues, and I serve and let my light shine for others, I always feel better, right? And whatever was my burden and whatever seemed so huge and big in my mind and my life and things like this seemed so insignificant as I, as I bore the burden of someone else. So I want to encourage you, as you light the Hanukkah tonight and every night for the, this next week, let those candles speak to you loud and clear. Listen to what they are telling us. Look at that Shamash candle and understand who it represents. Without Yeshua, we are nothing. And let the lights of the, the Hanukkah remind you and me to stand up for what is right always and to let our light shine brightly in the darkness around us. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. We're going to close here with the ironic benediction. And again, we want to invite you to stay. Uh, we have donuts and coffee there in the foyer. Uh, and uh, lots of them. So make sure you stay and have one, maybe two. I think, you know, and uh, I know the kids are looking forward to, as I saw a lot of the kids come in and said, hey, we're having donuts, high five. They're right there with me. So anyway... That's waiting here for my scriptures to upload. And my husband and I and my family want to wish you and your family a very happy Hanukkah. And we just pray the blessings of Hashem on you and your household in this week of celebrating uh, this holiday and remembering the goodness of the Lord and his great and awesome power. Stretch out your hand. We're going to bless you and we'll close with this. Yevarechacha Adonai veYishmerecha me Adonai bless you and keep you. Yeir Adonai panavalecha veYikunecha me Adonai make His face shine on you and show you His favor. Yisa Adonai panavalecha veYisimlecha shalom me Adonai lift up His face towards you and give you peace. 
May you walk with the shalom of Adonai and with his great, great joy. Just a quick uh, reminder, there are no Hebrew classes or prayer for the next couple of weeks due to the holiday season. Uh, And uh, Shabbat Shalom, Chag Sameach. Have a cup of coffee and donut before you leave.